0: please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at bushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. I mean,
1: it's good to see each of you. I want to welcome our online audience. We have a very, very good, big online audience that joins us so faithfully each week. And so to you, I want to say thank you. That means a lot. Um, You send me stuff during the week. It makes my my week sometimes. So thank you for all that you do. Thanks for listening. Appreciate each one of you being in the house. Great crowd. Man, we had a big crowd in the first service as well. Uh, I don't even wanna know what that parking lot looked like, but y'all got here, amen? So uh, bless the Lord. So we're in a little series. This series I started last week. Uh, This series is called Discover TCAB. Uh, what What we're doing is Uh, We have so many new people to our church. In the last two years, uh, we have really had a lot of new people to our church. If if you were with us last week, we're over 20 families already this year that have joined the church, and uh, that number just continues to grow. So what I wanted to do is kind of take you backwards a little bit and kind of share with you. Uh, what, are, what are our purpose statements? What's the core values of who we are? Why we do what we do, when we do it, how we do it? What, what are we trying to accomplish? Because I, I don't want you to go to a church and then wonder five years later, I wonder what that church was all about anyway. I, didn't, I never did understand that church, all right? I've been in those churches, all right? So, so I want you to have a clear meaning and know what this church is because you're the church. So when they ask you about the church, I want you to be able to talk about your church, and I, and I think it's important. So, so we call this Discover TCAB, and we're gonna look at the four concrete core purpose statements of who we are. Every time someone walks in the door, these these four things that we're gonna cover is what I want, what we want as a staff, what we want as elders for people to get. The, we want these things to be established. And so the first one is know God, the K-N-O-W God, knowing. So here's a question. Is it possible for me to know God? That's, that's a big question. Is it possible for me, little old me, to know God? Can I know the creator? Mm, the creator who made it all. Can I, can I know him? Can I tell you that a lot of people are asking that? They're floating around like a West Texas feather in the wind, man. They don't know where to land. They don't have an anchor. They don't have a firm foundation. They're just floating through life, man. Can they know God, know him? How about this? Does God, does God wanna know me? <laughs> does God wanna know me? Can I tell you this? Every one of those, yes, yes, yes. Yes. God wants to know me. You're like, pastor, you sure think a lot of yourself. I'm just saying, God wants to know me. He, It's his ideal. He, made, he He, did that. God made me, made you for relationship. That's what he wanted to do. So let me let me give you some good news today. God made you to hang out with you. So you walking through the store at United, you're bumping somebody. Hey, dude, man, you know what? God made me to hang out with me. They're like, you sure think a lot of your popcorn, dude. I mean, that's what God made you. I mean, God said, I, I don't want to do this without you. I want to hang with you. And he made you. That's so stinking cool. There is no other religious entity that we prop up and call God that wants that. None of them. We, I know people that give their life for a God that never wants to know them. How sad. Never even intended to know them. Doesn't even care about them. They'll give everything they got for a God that doesn't want to know them and they won't ever know that God. Our God, though, says, I know you. I knit you together in your mother's womb and I call you fearfully, wonderfully made and I've got an incredible plan for you and I want to know you and I want you to know me. Man, that's cool. So God took the first step. Mm, He sure did. God made the first move. Yes, he did. God gave the first invite. And here's good news. God made the way. Isn't that cool, man? He not only wants to hang with you, he not only wants to be in relationship with you, but he took the first move, and you know what? He made the way. He made the way, man. So I want you to go to Genesis. We'll start there. Genesis chapter 3. So here's what I want to do. I hope you like the Bible. (laughs) I really hope you like the Bible since you're in church. But I hope you like the Bible because I'm not going to give you my opinion. Because you can say, well, that's just Jeff's opinion. And I don't like Jeff, so I don't like his opinion. Well, guess what? I don't like my opinion sometimes, and I don't like Jeff. So I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you the Word of God. I'm going to give you the Bible. And that way, if you say, well, I don't like the Bible, you can take that up with God. Pity the fool who does that because that ain't going to work out for them. I'm just sorry. I throw in Mr. T every once in a while for Cade. But I'm just saying, pity the fool who says, well, I don't like God's word. I don't think God's right. You don't think God's right. Well, let me say something to you, little peanut. It doesn't matter what you think about God. God's right. You just got to deal with it and get under it. He ain't changing the rules because you got hatched. They were already in place before you came around. I know you think a lot of yourself, but I'm sorry. You're right, Christians had lost their pop because it ain't all about you, all right? It's about what God says. So I'm gonna give you God's opinion and that trumps all other opinions, amen? And, and God's word is the truth, an errant word of God before us, after us, doesn't change, anchor, build your house on. I'm gonna give you the word, a ton of it, but we're gonna get to all of it. Genesis three, look at uh, verse eight. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Then watch the good news. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? Can I stop right here? some of you in the house, some of you are joining us online. You think right now, Pastor, ooh, my sin, if people just knew how dirty, nasty, ugly I was. Not only do people not want to be around me, I know God doesn't want to be around me. And you're hiding from him. I'm going to tell you, God is seeking after you like crazy. He's chasing you down, and I'm sorry, your 40 time is not quick enough to beat God. God's gonna run you down because that's how great his love is. And right in the middle of your mess, your jacked up life, your muffed upness, all that junk around you, man, all that sin, all those bad decisions, all those bad choices, all those bad people, it doesn't matter. God's gonna meet you right there. He's saying to many of you, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? God took the first step. Look at John 3, 16, if you need some more evidence of that. For God so loved the world. Yes, he did. He gave his only son, his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Can I tell you, I'm looking at a whole bunch of whosoever's. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. It doesn't matter your economic status. It doesn't matter the car you drive or the lack thereof. It doesn't matter the house, the neighborhood, where you live, what school you went to, how you dress, how you eat, how you chew, how you smell. It doesn't matter. God loves you. And he demonstrated that by giving up his only son to take your place on a hill called Calvary to do what you can't do because he's a spotless lamb with no sin. We were all born from sin, so we couldn't do that. So he said, I got your place. I love you that much. He took the first step. He made the first move. He, he gave the first invite. Can you see it? God wants relationship with you. He demonstrated that. Romans 5, 8, a verse that just blows me away every time I see it. God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that is so incredible. It goes on that some, some would say that people would die for a righteous man, but 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 Jesus died for the sinners, unrighteous. While we were in our sin, messed up, we, we were in our yuck, God died. He sent his son to die for you and me because he knew there would be a day that we would cry out to him and need a savior, man. We would need a savior. We knew we were a sinner. We needed a savior. I was 10 years old in First Baptist Church in Athens, Texas, and I knew, man, I knew you couldn't do a lot bad in 10. I did a lot, but you couldn't do a whole bunch. But I excel. I excelled quite a bit, but, but, but listen to me. I knew I was messed up. I knew, I knew God was calling me for salvation. And I stepped out and went to the front of the church and I don't even know who I told it to, but I told to whoever was in the front, I need to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And later I was baptized by Curtis Mathis, not the TV manufacturer, <laughs> but a real pastor. And I'm not making that up, you can ask my wife, because after Curtis Mathis left, we got a new pastor. His name was James Bond. So <laughs> I'm I'm i hey, I'm on YouTube. they us tell the truth. First Sunday, first Sunday, James Bond shot everybody in the front row with a water gun. That was the funniest thing. I, I don't remember anything about church. I remember when James Bond shot everybody with a water gun. And so that's how I got saved. I was 10 years old in Athens, Texas. And I gave my life to Jesus and was baptized. And he changed my life, man. Never been the same. So God made the way. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way. Not a way, the way. The way. He said, well, pastor, that is so narrow-minded. That is so rude. I mean, God's a God of love, but then he says this. He contradicts himself. I'm sorry, but you need to check your shoes because God doesn't contradict himself. God is the way. He's the way, not a way. There's a lot of people in the world, a lot of religious, a lot of different religions. So while there's so many different ones when he says he's the only way, I don't know that answer. You can ask him one day, but I'm gonna tell you on this side of heaven, there is one way, there's one way. He says, I am the way. Not only that, but I am the truth. I'm the truth. There's not a bunch of truths. There's the truth. You can really believe with passion and all the gumption you got about your opinion. But if it's not truth, according to the word of God, then stand up. This is the truth. When you, when you find the way, you find the truth. The way is named Jesus. The truth is named Jesus. He's the way and he is the truth. And he says, when you find the way and you find the truth, then he says, you will find life. See, there is no life without the way and the truth. Uh, if you try any other method, you're just existing. You're not living Without Jesus, you're not living. With Jesus, then you're living. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And he doesn't do that to be mean. He does that because he loves you. He says, I am the only way. Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth, the life. And many of us think that we can do it a different way or come about it a different way. Or he he ought to change it because, you know, it is 2022 and things are just different now. No, a lot of things are different. But what's not different is that it is still the way, the truth to the life, period. And there's no other way, no other way. He's not changing that, not changing it. So what we need to do is get our hard-headed, stubborn opinion under the Word of God and let the Word of God set us free because when you meet Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, you are free indeed, my friend. And you're not under the bondage of your opinion or somebody else's opinion. God loves people, period. He does not love their behavior, but he loves people. And for all people, no matter your behavior, He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And there is no other way. Go to John 10, real quick with me. More scripture, because I don't want you to have my opinion. Let the scripture do its job. Let it do what it does. Look at John 10. Look at verses three and four. John 3 and four. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse four, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Why? Good question. Because they K-N-O-W his voice. They know his voice. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. You say, I don't know about that. Okay. Well, let's go to one more scripture just in case. All right. Again, not my opinion, just the word of God. John ten fourteen. Just I turn one page and I'm there. Look at 10, 14. Jesus again. I am the good shepherd. Oh, he definitely is that. I know my sheep and my sheep, K-N-O-W, me, know me. See, here's a question. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Not about him, but do you know him? You say, well, that's a good question. That's That's a big question. That's a good question. It is a big question, but it's not the best question. It's not. I'll give you the best question. Does he know you? hmm, it just got real personal. Yes, he wants a personal relationship with you. He wants you to know him, but he wants to know you. And the only way that happens is through salvation. That's the only way. We just read there's no other way. Do you know him is a good question, but the bigger and better question is, does he know you? See, here's how it works. One day you're going to die. This earth suit will give up and you won't be on this dirt ball anymore. And you'll stand before God. And God will look at Jesus who's on the right hand and say, "We know that cat." Um, "Nah, I don't know him." And you're like, "What do you mean? You know me?" I, I grew up in church all my life. I was in church before I could even walk. I mean, we went on Wednesday night. Hell, man, you've got to be saved to go on Wednesday night. Chicken, fried steak, mashed potatoes, gravy, green beans, salad, tea, and a roll. I mean, I know the menu. I was in church all the time. Sunday night, I was at everything. My parents even drove me to business meetings. Oh, Lord, help. And, and I, I came to church all the time. You know me. Jesus like, no, nah, Father, we, we don't know him We don't know him. See, my answer, that's not, it doesn't matter at that time. What I think, my opinion, how I see it, my good stack, bigger than my little stack, none of that's gonna help me right there. I open doors for old people. Hey, that's sweet. You can carry their groceries too. But until you make Jesus Lord, it ain't gonna matter. Jesus says, I don't know you. And the father says, depart from me. We never knew you. Too late. See, your answer to the question is one thing. His answer is a whole nother thing. I talk to children sometimes about salvation. And I said, do you know Jesus? And they'll give me a nod. And I said, does Jesus know you? And before they can ever answer, I always have parents that want to jump in. Oh yeah, he knows, pastor, he, he knows, he knows. That's my son. I'm like, I love you, but I'm not asking you. You need to stop answering for your kids. Your son's 12 years old, he can answer for himself. Do you still tell him when he needs to go to the bathroom? Then let the boy answer the question. He needs to be able to answer this. Because one day when he stands before God, he can't play the mom card. Mom card don't work in high school and it don't work there either. You gotta know that he knows you and you know him. He says, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, period. Look over at John three. John three real fast. Ooh, I gotta roll, got a roll, gotta roll. John three, this is the story of Nicodemus. This is what, Nicodemus is a smart, smart dude. He's what today would be, I'd <laughs> be careful with this, a senator or a congressman. Some of you are like, they ain't very smart, right? It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he's very well educated, all right? He's sharp dude. He runs with some hombres that are really sharp guys, all right? So, but, but, but Nicodemus knew there was something different about Jesus, and he also knew something was missing in his life. And he sought Jesus out at night. He, bit Nicolo, he beat Nickelodeon at the punch. This is the first Nick at night, all right? I know they think they got it, but they didn't get it. That's just second. I'm just saying, uh, scenery never changes. They're second. God beat them to the punch. First Nick at night was Nicodemus. Look at verses five and six. Jesus answered, i tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to, f- to, to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit. So here's what I wanna say to you. In order to enter the kingdom of God, in order for you to be known by him and he know you, all right? in order for that to happen, you must be born again. You were born once of water from a physical birth by mom. But Jesus said, that's not enough. You gotta have two birthdays, one physical birthday, number two, a spiritual birthday, a day when you were dead in your sin. Then you were dead in sin, you were a sinner. You, you were buried in your sin, and Jesus, you cried out to Jesus, and you asked him to save you, and he, by the Holy Spirit of God, filled you, he picked you up, he resurrected you, he lifted you out of your sin, and he saved you, and he made you new. You've been born again by the Spirit of God. Now you have a physical birthday, now you have a spiritual birthday. You got two birthdays, your home is heaven. You don't have two birthdays, your home's not heaven. I'm sorry. There's no other way. He wouldn't have told Nicodemus, you gotta be born again if there's another way. You must be born again. You might look the same, answer by the same name, dress the same, chew the same, eat the same. It doesn't matter, but you're different. Why? Because you were once blind, but now you see. I was once dead in my sin, but now I'm alive in Christ Jesus. That's what it works. The new life has come. The old life is gone. James 2, 19 says this. So you believe that there is one God, good. Even demons believe that and they shudder. See, a lot of people I meet, they say, I believe, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I said, Have you, are you born again? I don't understand what you mean. It's not enough to believe. He says the demons believe, but the demons will be in hell. So if all you do is believe, guess where you're gonna be? Hanging with the demons. You gotta do more than believe. They, he said they even believe. You've got to give your life to Jesus and be born again. You confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He said you shall be saved. I want you to look at John 4. John 4. This is where most people struggle right here. John chapter 4, verse 11. John 4, 11. This is the story of the woman at the well. Uh, she knows what she needs, but she's, she's, she's hiding, just like they did in Genesis. She comes, to the middle of the, she comes to the well in the middle of the afternoon to draw water. Nobody comes at the heat of the day to draw water because the water's hot. But she was too embarrassed to come at any other time because she didn't want nobody to see her. And lo and behold, the person she needed the most was there. His name is Jesus. He says, sir, the woman said about drawing water, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from him himself? Or did you also from the sons and the flocks and the herds? What, what, what she sees here is what we call a Texas problem or American problem, we're gonna do it ourselves. Can't do it. See, sometimes we, we overthink salvation. We try to make it too hard. Jesus already made a way. All we have to do by faith by faith is cry out to him and we're born again happens just like that. We complicate it. We overthink it. We try human effort. We try to do it. We try, we we Texans, we, nobody helps us. We do it ourselves. I'll fix that barbed wire fence. I'll tell you right now, I'll fix it. Well, that's fine. Go fix it with your toothpick hanging out your mouth. But one day you're going to need Jesus. You need to get on your knees in that field and, and cry out to Jesus and be born again. We try human effort. We try, well, my good stack one day going to be bigger than my little stack, and in my big stack and doing good is bigger than my bad stack, I'm going to go to heaven. Nope. Because if you could do it, then he didn't have to. Me, people all the time say, well, I was born in church. Was, I've been a Christian all my life. That's impossible. I go to the nursery all, every once in a while. I ain't see Christians in that nursery. They mean. They mean in there. <laughs> Them kids are flatjack mean, man. I'm like, what is wrong with you church kids, man? Y'all are scared people away from heaven. What's wrong with y'all? They're stealing toys and crying, throwing fits, laying on the ground, beating and stuff. And I'm like, what is wrong with these kids, man? They don't know what to do. They're not not Christians from birth, I promise you, all right? And just because you stick them in there, that's not going to get it done either. It doesn't, poof, out comes a Christian. That's not what happens, all right? I wish we were that good. We're not that good, okay? That doesn't happen. It it can't be human effort. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it is by the grace of God that you have been saved, not by anything you do so that you might not boast. He knows us. If we could do it, he knew we would just brag about it and boast. He said, you can't do it. I did it. I did it. You brag about me, but you can't brag about you because it's a free gift. I did Calvary. You didn't do Calvary. You can't do it. If you could have done it, you'd have done it already. And if you could do it, he didn't have to. And we try religion, and nothing more confusing than religion, and nothing that has hurt more people than religion. You say, I can't believe you said that, you're a pastor. I am a pastor, but Jesus doesn't like religion either, and I have a bad habit of following Jesus. I want to be, I like what he likes. Jesus told the Pharisees, listen to me, all this stuff from your lips, that sounds good. All that religious prayer out loud and worship and stuff. But you know what? I know your heart and it's far from me. Religion hurts people because religion is man's attempt to reach God. It was never man's job to reach God. God reached down from heaven to reach man. Religion will confuse you and it'll hurt you. It will not save you. Going to church will not make you a Christian. If that happened, every time you walked in the McDonald's, you'd be a French fry. And that doesn't work either. Amen. Look at John four fifteen. The woman said to him, Give me this water so I won't get, won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. If you have your own Bible outside there, you can write salvation because that's what that is. Jesus gave her living water, gave her salvation because it wasn't her coming to the well that did it. It wasn't her drawing with human effort to get it. It wasn't her being religious that got it. It was just a free gift from a loving father that did it. We have a gentleman in our church named James Neely. I don't know if James is here or not. If he is, he's hiding from me. So James and Karen Neely is a family in our church. They have two children. They, they came to our church about 11 years ago. We just got in this building. And James had never, he didn't grow up in church. They've been in church. He had a bunch of tattoos and a bunch of piercings and long hair, and he looked pretty rough, but he meant to look rough because it kept people away from him. And his wife kept nagging, I'm sorry, kept encouraging him to come to church. (laughs) Kept encouraging him to come to church because they had two small children. They said, if you want our kids to go to church, you're gonna have to start going to church. Some of the guys in here are like, yeah, or that, bunch. But but, so he said, okay, I'll go. I'll go, but they won't talk to me. Church don't talk to people like me. He came to the wrong church. Because he came in these doors, people talked to him, shook his hand, said his name, encouraged him, patted him on the back. He said, man, I felt welcome, I felt at home. This went on for a Sunday, went on another Sunday, then he texted me, he said, hey, you think after we drop our children off on Wednesday night at six, can we come over to your office? Can me and Kara meet with you? Sure. So I had a little house over here. So James walks in one Wednesday at six o'clock, he and Kara, and James sits down, and I said, so James, tell me why we're here, man. And uh He said, well, you've been talking about Jesus and I want you to tell me about being a Christian man. I said, well, tell me about your life. He said, well, I'm an atheist. I said, well, cool. He looked at me. He said, why you say cool? I said, cause I think it's cool that you said that. You felt honest enough and comfortable enough to me to say that. He said, man, that's my line. When I say that line, everybody runs off. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I don't run. And so tears started rolling down his cheeks. I said, James, I'm going to read a passage of scripture to you because this is what I believe is going on right now. And I opened my Bible to Revelation 320 and I read this scripture. Jesus said, here am I. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, And opens the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with him and he with me. And James looked at me, he said, there's a knock on my heart. And I said, James, here's the deal about the heart and about what God made. There's a god side void in your heart that only he fits in. And that door to your heart has a doorknob on it, but only from the inside, not on the outside. Nobody gets in your heart unless you let them in. That includes Jesus. If you'll turn that knob and open your heart, he'll come in and he'll save you and he'll make you new today. And he said, Jeff, nobody. You tell the church, nobody knocks like Jesus. Nobody knocks like Jesus, nobody. And that night, James Neely was born again. And I baptized him. Real quick after that, I baptized his son and his daughter, and his whole family has changed, and they hardly ever miss, man, hardly ever miss. In the summer, they own a lawn care business. They'll mow about six yards, and then come to church with green shoes and grass all over them, and they'll go back and mow six more after church is over, but they won't miss church. That dude's changed, and he made new I love what James says, nobody knocks like Jesus. If you're here today and you feel this, that's Jesus, he wants in your life. I want you to go to, four, look at 416 real fast. I have a lot of people that say stuff about this. They say, Pastor, sometimes in my life, I have, I've had a traumatic experience, and that's in, in like a phone call or divorce or laid off at a work, and, and that's when I really found God. And I said, well, did you? Did you, were you born again? Did God make you new? Because sometimes people think that traumatic experiences is is, is salvation, but traumatic experience is not necessarily salvation. It can lead to salvation, but the the experience alone may not be that. So I want you to see it in scripture. This will jump out at you if you've never seen it before. Look at verse 16. So after he said this about the water, he said, go and call your husband and come back. Well, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right at what you have said. You have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you just said is quite true. Can I say something to you? I know you girls will understand this. If You, you can't get more traumatic experience than having five husbands and living with another man. That's a traumatic experience. And if a traumatic experience could save someone, that woman would have already been saved well before she ever met Jesus at the well. Because a traumatic experience doesn't necessarily save you, but it can lead to salvation, amen? And there is nothing more traumatic. I mean, I know from experience, my wife's married to one man, and that's trauma enough for her. But can you imagine compounding that by five? Oh, oh, Lord help. That would not be good. So sometimes people say to me, man, I had this happen in my life, and this happened in my life, and that's when I got saved. I said, well, tell me about that. And they tell me about the experience, but they don't tell me how Jesus changed her life. And I just wanna warn you, don't let a traumatic experience in your life mean salvation to you. Make sure the traumatic experience led you to Christ and you cried out and were born again because sometimes he saves you to save you. It's called the second chance. Romans 9 and 10 says this, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord we shall be saved. In verse 13, he says, uh, in Romans 10, 13, he says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, what you smell like, how you dress, anything. If you call on the name of the Lord and you confess his name, believe in your heart, he will save you just like that and make you new, and make you new. So real quickly, after salvation happens, you quickly wanna follow that in baptism. Baptism that we saw to start the service. I want you to go to your Bible in Matthew chapter three. Matthew chapter three. I want you to see this because again, I don't want to tell you my opinion on baptism. I want you to see what Jesus says about baptism. I want you to see what the Word of God says about baptism. This is Jesus when he was baptized. I want you to see this. Matthew chapter three, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. You don't need to come to me. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill the righteousness. Then John consented. That's always good to consent what Jesus said, all right? That's good advice right there. Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water and at the moment heaven opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son who I love and I'm well pleased. Listen to me, baptism is a big, big Deal. People say to me all the time, well, pastor, you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. No, you don't. You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. All right. But I'm going to tell you something. You have to be baptized to be obedient and follow Jesus. If you love Jesus and you want to follow Jesus, if you if you pray and receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, the first step of ba- a first step of obedience is baptism. If you played baseball, you can hit the ball off the wall, round first base and slide in the second and your girlfriend can cheer and your mama can cheer and the umpire will look over and you miss first base, they're gonna call you out. And you can get mad, but you miss first base. Jesus said the first step of obedience is baptism. How are you gonna be obedient at the second, third, fourth, 27th, 91st, 116th time if you don't do the first one? Believer's baptism is a big deal. It is called believer's baptism because once you become a believer, you get scripturally baptized, immersion. You follow Jesus. Jesus went in the water and he came out of the water. I'm pretty simple, I'm a country boy. But I know this, in order to come out of something, you gotta go what? Into something. And so if you came out of it, you must have been in it, amen? I mean, if I'm gonna eat at a restaurant, I got to go in it. And if I go in it, they're going to really encourage me to go out of it. Amen. So listen to me. Baptism, scriptural baptism is a big deal. It is the first step of Jesus, of following Jesus. It's getting your salvation in right step. So, So if your salvation is here, you want your baptism to be on the right side of salvation. Why? Because that's why it's called believer's baptism. If it wasn't, it would be on this side of baptism. Some people get baptized and they call baptism salvation. That is not salvation. See, this right here, my friend, it's human water put in by a human, heated by a human, pushing a button over here, by a heater that was made by a human. A human's gonna baptize a human. This is all human stuff. If all the humans could do this stuff, then Jesus didn't need to go to the cross. If this right here led to salvation, why the cross? Why? The cross was brutal, man, brutal. Why do you have to die like that if all you had to do is be baptized? Salvation is from Jesus. It's by the blood. You were, you were ugly and nasty in sin. You were a sinner. The blood of Jesus covers you and washes you and makes you clean. That the blood is what saves you. All right, it's kind of like giving a bath to a little boy. If you tell your little boy to go get in the bathtub, in your mind as a mom or dad, you're thinking, get in the bathtub, use soap, get a bunch of soap all over him, clean him up, make him smell good, he dunk him in the water, get all that water and all that soap off of him, get out, and he he says, I'm ready to get out, Bobby. Go in there, you take the towel, you put it around this angel sent from heaven, and you start towel this little boy off, and you go, boy, you, you smell like a puppy. Did you use soap? No, I just play with my boat. I just played with my boat. I just played. I said, listen, did mommy tell you to go play with your boat? I told you to go take a bath. See, a lot of people want to get wet and think it changes them. Without the blood, there is no change. Without salvation, without Jesus saving you, when the blood covering your sin and making you white as snow, making you new, the old is gone, the new has come. It's symbolism right there, it's symbolism. It's an outward expression of an inward change. It's already happened. Salvation changed you from the inside. Now you just do it publicly in front of your church to show an outward expression of what already happened in you. I was dirty and I smelt like a puppy. And I got in the bath and Jesus' blood cleansed me and I got soap all over me and he washed me from head to toe and I'm a new creation. And then I got in that water and I came out and all that soap and yuck in the past was in the water and I drained it out down the drain, man. And I'm a new creation. That's what salvation and baptism is. For some of you in here, you've never been saved. What he's saying to you is, that knock, that's for you. That knock's for you. You open your heart, ask Jesus to come in. He'll save you. For some of you in here, you're born again. You know the Lord. You've been saved for a long time, but, you, but you've never followed the Lord in baptism. Some of you got baptized way over here. You didn't know what you were doing. You was trying to make mama happy or grandma happy. That's sweet. That's a good thing to do. Confuses you, but it's sweet. And then you get saved, but you not got baptized. You say, well, I already got baptized. No, <laughs> you got wept you got whipped. You didn't get baptized. Baptism follows salvation. It doesn't precede salvation, all right? You need to get your baptism on the right side. For some of you in here, it's been a long time, but you've known it. You know your baptism is messed up. It's it's wrong, okay? It's confusing to you, and and you want confidence in knowing that you've been saved and scripturally baptized. Listen to me. If you're going to follow Jesus in salvation, won't you follow Jesus in baptism? Jesus, Jesus got in the water and came out. Why don't you and I get in the water and come out? Amen. Jesus made it simple. He invited you. He made a way for you to have salvation and relationship with Jesus. He said, if you're gonna have a relationship with me and be born again, then follow me in believer's baptism. Do likewise. Do what I did. And then you can follow him. I'm gonna invite you to stay in church as the worship team comes out. If you're on the ministry team, I'm going to invite you to come to your spot as well. I went long, I know, but I, wanted to, I really wanted to finish all this as a bunch. One thing about a non-denominational church, you got a lot of denominations, a lot of different ways to look at salvation and baptism. All right? We don't look at it from a denominational way. We look at it from a Bible way. I want you to know what scripture says about salvation and baptism, and I want you to decide if you want to get in that. So if you're here today and you need to get saved, born again, you need to have a second birthday, you can come this morning, get saved. If you're here today and you say, Jeff, I know I'm born again. I know I am. I love Jesus. But my baptism, it's been messed up for a long time. And I've been struggling with it, but I didn't know what to do with it. But today, I want to get my baptism on the right side of salvation so I can have confidence in my story because my story is the, greatest, the second greatest story ever told. And I want to be able to tell my story. And I don't want to tell it right now because it, it, it has blanks. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I don't know how to explain baptism because it, it's on the wrong side. Well, get it on the right side. Have confidence in your story and go tell that story because many will hear and many will see and many will put their faith in him. Right, I'm gonna pray for us. Let the Holy Spirit draw you salvation or baptism, we can do it before you leave today. We have shorts and t-shirts and a towel waiting on you. And if God says it's time for salvation, it's time for baptism, we will, we will get you dressed and baptize you before we get out of here. All right. So if you want to do it, time to do it. Because if you get in the parking lot and you get in your car, woo, you're going to talk yourself out of it. So don't talk yourself out of it. As soon as I say, amen, you book down here and get it done, all right? Father, we love you. And by the Holy Spirit of God, I pray you draw everyone, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl for salvation and baptism day. Holy Spirit, draw them now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's worship.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God. Find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.